welcome to episode 294 of Live Happy Now and to a brand new year. This is Paula Phelps, and as we begin 2021, we have many different emotions at play. Whether it's relief, anticipation, hope, or even dealing with a sense of loss and grief, this is a time of reflection and a chance to look at what we want to create for the year ahead. This week, we're talking with Karu Papritz, author of The Legacy Letters and a passionate advocate for civility and conscious living. He's here to talk about how we can use this time as an opportunity to create personal change that will last a lifetime and define our personal legacy. Karu, welcome to Live Happy Now. Paula, thank you for having me on your show. This is great. Well, it's a wonderful way to start the year. You are our first guest of 2021, and it seemed like the perfect fit because we can talk about some of the things that are coming up and going on and how we're going to get through this year. This is the most extraordinary New Year's that it's a once in a generation New Year's. And I, and it sort of dawned on me one moment that uh, just recently that, oh my gosh, we're, we'll never have another New Year's like this again, probably in our lifetime. No. No, and hopefully not another year <laughs> like the one that uh, yeah, we've exactly. had. The past several months have been hard on all of us in different ways. And, you know, so as we start this new year, it seems like we are seeing a bit more hope from people. And do you see that as a lasting change or is it part of our relief of getting through 2020 or what's going on with us right now? Well, isn't it interesting that we've got this new hope and it's, it's such an amazing gift. And we have to ask ourselves, well, what are we going to do with this new hope? And I think that was what got me thinking about this New Year's and, and, and New Year's resolutions. We tend to make these, you know, these, I hate to say run-of-the-mill resolutions for New Year's. But um, we usually, oh, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to get in better shape or I'm going to do this or that. And I thought, hey, we have been given the gift of time in a way that we've probably never been given it before. And now we have a moment to, to truly reflect upon the direction we want to take our lives. So the central question for me that keeps coming back over and over, who do we want to be after this pandemic ends? And here's this, this amazing opportunity to not only reflect upon that, but actually do something toward that end because we have the time to do it. And do you think, is it our tendency to just think, I just got to get through this and then we'll go instead of taking the time to, to settle in and reflect and see the gifts that were hidden somewhere in this past year and also determine who we're going to be, as you said, who we're going to be moving forward. It's always the opposite. It's always counterintuitive the way you want to go. So here we are in the midst of probably the darkest part of the pandemic right now. And yet, as I sort of tell my son, I said, you know, look at this amazing opportunity you have to be in the best shape of your life to play the sports you want to play when football, when football season, when all these uh, sports start up in the fall. And it's, like I said, it's a counterintuitive thing, especially when you're watching the news or when you're talking to friends or where we're all in our various lives at the moment, that it truly is the opposite. I don't know how to put it any other way except we have this opportunity of time that's been given to us like uh, an amazing gift and again it's a counterintuitive thought so what should we do with that how do we take that time to be quiet be still and determine who we're going to be 
I think it's again, it's not it's it's not just the normal resolutions that we would normally go to. It's more like it's not a one-off resolution. It's almost in the same way, giving uh, in a strange way, giving yourself permission to change because the world has changed. So, for example, let's say, I mean, this is an incredible time to learn a new job skill. You can be doing that even on the side while, God forbid, if you're unemployed. I mean, that's very difficult. But at the same time, there's ways to do that via the Internet. The famous bucket list. You know, people are just so excited to travel again. But but instead of saying, hey, I'm going to wait to do it, let's not wait to do the bucket list. Let's, Let's actually put that into, you know, Right when this gets done, the travel industry is talking about a huge explosion because of people waiting to get uh, to travel again. But I also think it's it's sort of conscious travel this time, like really what I want to do to make my life more purposeful and more meaningful. I think one of the ones that I like and I really pursue is doing something for others and giving back to the community. And granted, we pay a lot of lip service to that or we'll give We'll give just enough cans of food for Thanksgiving, and that uh, that pretty much takes us through for the year. But I think now that we have this this raised consciousness of realizing that the world is so much bigger than ourselves, and not in an abstract way anymore. No, I think we would. Yeah, I think that's the fascinating part, right, Paul? I mean, it's not just we've all suffered together. We've all been in this together. So. I look at this as a way of saying, I would like to do something, you know, what is the all kindness is local, or I mean, there's there's all sorts of phrases like that. But I believe here's this incredible, another incredible opportunity to give back to the world and or your community in a way that creates this domino effect. I mean, once you make this sort of resolution, I'm going to help out X, Y, or Z for the, for the rest of my life or in a way that's going to be, it doesn't have to be a huge way, but it's just a way of saying, no, I'm going to commit part of my hours on this planet to helping someone else out. And just look, if we all did that, what an amazing avalanche of kindness that would be. And what's the importance of saying I'm making this lifelong change versus this is what I'm going to do this year? You know, one thing I always do is I, I choose a word every year and um, write it usually on a white stone. It's a f- ritual that a friend taught me years ago. And you, know, you just have one word that you kind of focus on throughout the year. But that's going year to year. And what you're talking about is doing something that you're looking at this long range. I'm making this lifelong change. So what is the, first of all, what's the the importance in doing that and to committing into something that's going to change for a lifetime? I think it's a way of not being sucked back into the vortex of our of our previous 24-7 busy lives. I mean, I'm sure that many of us have, have in that time, we would wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, I wish I could do this or I want to do this, but realizing that, gosh, there is no way what family or business or just life in general that I could really do it. And now you really have a chance to do it right. And I love your idea. I think, I think the idea of just a single word and concentrating on that and making your actions revolve around that word. Why not make it 
a series of words for a lifetime. You know, I would like to concentrate on this word, this word, this word. It reminds me of, of, I love going to national parks. My dad was a ranger and I was brought up in national parks and I just, I don't have enough lifetime to see all the national parks and do all the things I want to do in them for a lifetime. So I think what you're talking about is a, is a fascinating way of being able to generate a lifetime effect with, with singular words. I think that's, I think that would be an incredible way of doing that. And there's so much loneliness and, and divisiveness that we've seen in this past yeah. year. And how do you see that how that has changed us as humans and as a society? Well, that just that comes back to uh, to Dickens, doesn't it? This is the best of times and the worst of times. And I, I think we've seen the best of us and we've seen the worst of us. And it continues right now. And I think our children will be most impacted because they've seen how we've led ourselves. I mean, they we think that they're not watching or they're paying attention, but man, they are really, really, they've watched this whole thing. I, we have, I have great conversations. My son's 14 and, and I'll get together, you know, over the internet and talk, and talk to his friends and say, guys, what's going on out there? And man, the things they tell me um, about what's going on in their lives, their mental, you know, state of mind relative to the pandemic and what's going on in schools and whatnot. But I think, they know the worst of what's been going on in their lives because of how dramatically they have been affected. And I believe that they'll learn to be the better angels of our nature. And what I, what I mean by that is I think they'll lead with more empathy and compassion than ever. I get the impression from the, from the kids is that we did not pass. Where are the adults in the room test to them? Yeah. Um, we we flunked think, that one pretty, pretty badly. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to say it. And they, they've really called it out. I mean, they realize it's been tough out there, but overall they're looking at this and they're just with eyes wide open going, guys, what the hey, you know? And, <laughs> and so my hope is that, is that what they have witnessed will create, will have created better human beings for the longer haul. And that they're the ones who can change, for example, the climate conversation because they understand the, the interconnectivity of the world even more so than the adults. And you know, they understand how we failed them and they've got to pick up our pieces. They're the ones that are going to save us from ourselves in the long haul. I look at this inner, inner connectivity these kids have and the way that they look at the world. And I go, man, if they, if anyone can really do better than we can, I think they can. Well, that's reassuring because, <laughs> because they're coming up behind us, cleaning up, you know, the messes and <laughs> creating this yeah, new world that, out of it. Yeah. So that's good to hear. And, you know, you mentioned legacy. I know that's something that you're very passionate about. Um, you've got the book, The Legacy Letters, and, and and we'll talk about that on our landing page and people can learn more about your book. But I guess, can you talk about when you refer to legacy, what is it you mean and why is it so important to you? When, you know, initially when I wrote the book, and I should very quickly tell your audience this, the Legacy Letters is a series of fictional letters written by a father to his kids he would never live to see, and these letters become their practical, moral, and spiritual guidebook for the rest of their lives. And um, I wrote this while working as a cowboy on a ranch in southern Arizona. It was, uh, it was about as isolated as you could get. I sort of call it um, uh, 
so the my Walden time, uh, Walden Pond time period, <laughs> being out basically as, as the sole hand on this ranch. So I had had hours and days and weeks and years to myself and uh, this, and to, to contemplate these ideas and about life and how to live it. And one of the fascinating things about legacy is is you begin to look at legacy as what you've left behind. And I just thought that was such a static idea. And I thought, no, I think it's more about how you live your legacy in the moment. Because it's, you know, again, if we're talking about not just what I've lived an entire lifetime, but I would like to model it for the kids that I'm surrounded by and, and, and involved with. And, and so I guess a lot of it is walking one's talk. And so that's sort of how I view legacy and the importance of it, that that you are not doing anything that you would not want to be, you know, when you're in your nineties, looking back on life and saying, gosh, I walked my talk. I did it the way, you know, I said I was going to do it. And that brings up another interesting thing that in, in the writing of this book that was really fascinating. One day, this is sort of a, a look to the idea of uh, the regret test. And this is one that your all your listeners out there could, could try at some point. And that is think about what you would like to change in your life right now. And this really goes to this sort of New Year's resolution. Imagine that you're 90 and looking back in your life and you go, wow, I didn't do that. I didn't change that part of my life. I didn't get away from a toxic relationship. I didn't, I mean, just name it. I didn't go to Australia the way I wanted to and all these things. And now I regret it. And how many regrets do you want to add up in the, in the, in the landscape of your life, especially at the, the end of it. So you can do the regret test right now and saying, wow, I really don't want to regret that. I better change it. <laughs> right. So how does someone decide what their legacy should be? How do you, is there some sort of exercise that you lead them through or, or something that someone can do? It's like, okay, what, what do I want my legacy to be? We don't always know where to start. No, but I think that goes back to that regret test. And I know, I know it sounds like a simple, almost an offhanded test, but I think it really speaks volumes to where we're at in any given moment and to where we're going. And I brought up the thing about toxic relationships because that's an interesting one. You know, people say, well, I, I really want to get divorced or I really want to, I don't want to be part of this, uh, uh, my part, well, I don't want to be my partner anymore or a girlfriend or boyfriend, but I don't know how to get out of it. And I go, well, just, why don't you just think about what it would be like to be with them for years and years and years and, and then look back on being 90 and saying, gosh, why didn't I get out of that sooner? And in, in a way it's the, it's, yeah, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up to ask yourself the ultimate question in your life. Why, why didn't I make myself happier? I mean, let's go back to what this, what your podcast is really all about, right? Live, happy now. Right. So I think making that decision, sometimes you need to change the paradigm. You need to change the kaleidoscope and look at the world in a different way. And that's why the regret test, I think really helps people go, huh, I'm going to be 90 right now. Think about this. And no, that sucks. I'm not going to do that again. You know, or I'm not going to continue to do it. I'm going to change it up because I am not going to be 90. I'm not going to be on on my deathbed going, I wish I had done that. Right. And I think that's why this new year's is so profound because we, in a sense, have been living with 
life and death intertwined for the last nine months in a way that we never, uh, that most of us, um, besides us, I would say war veterans or some people would, would ever go through. And we've done it on a worldwide level. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much about the uncertainty. And I think with the vaccine, people have a lot of hope because it looks like that window of uncertainty will close just a little bit, you know. So I, I think that gives a lot of us something to hold on to and, a, and a, just a sign that things are getting better. I know we have to let you go, but before we do, I, I do want to ask you, like, how do we keep from losing the magnitude of this moment? And as I mentioned earlier, people kind of just want to put this year behind them, but there's a lot of important things that we need to hang on to from this year, the lessons that we've learned, and we need to remember some of the things that we went through. So how do we not lose this moment and use that as an opportunity to create our legacy going forward? I'm a... <laughs> Both of us being writers, I'm a big advocate of making it physical. And what are you? And one of the things that I would talk about New Year's resolutions is write it down. It's one thing to think it; it's another thing to put it on paper because paper makes it real. And I don't mean paper as in write it on your laptop. I mean physically take a pencil or pen and write it out because there's something about that that embeds it almost, it's almost like a promissory note to yourself. Yeah. I that, that, yeah, that when you're writing it and then it's something like a letter that you can take out over and over and over again, say, you know, you, you can say, I want to do this this year for myself. I want to do this this year for my family. I want, but writing it down, I know it's such a simple, simple act, but it's not a throwaway act at all. And it's not, a text message and it's not an email and it's not held electronically in your computer. It's something that you pull out and look at over. I mean, make a mind up to look at it once a month and say, oh, am I on track? Pull that out and say, all right, it's time to pull out the paper or like you do with the one word, you know, you're looking right. at that every day. But I think that's the most, that's a very powerful way of doing it. Make it physical. So you, so you can hold it in your hand because there's something powerful about that. That's excellent. That's a really, that's a good exercise. And, and I like that too, because you have to put more thought into it when you're going to write it down. You have to put just a little bit more thought into how that's going to play out and what you're going to say. So that's. Yeah. And then, you know, and then at the end of the day, right. When, when not only, when the year's over, you look back on it and say that I you can hold that piece of paper, almost like a declaration of, of, of well, independence or a declaration of I did this with my life or if, or if you didn't, then you say, all right, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll try it again and write out another one. You yeah. know, but especially this year of all the years, this is, this is really one to do. And it doesn't take that long. It's much like I talk about writing a Valentine's day letter. Oh, I don't want to, Oh my God. No, <laughs> it takes five minutes guys. That's and honestly, if you don't have time this year to do it, when will you have time? I mean, come on, Thank we got some you. extra time on Thank our hands. You, Paul. <laughs> yeah, with all the time we have. Yeah, take that five minutes, guys. Ten minutes, and you can write write it down, and then you can rewrite it too. But I think it's a great way to a great way to start the year, especially That's this year. I like yeah, that. I like that quite a bit. Well, Karu, this is wonderful. I'm going to tell people how they can learn more about you, how they can find you, how they can find your books, how they can follow you. Oh, but thank you for dropping in and talking to me about this and kicking off our year. Yeah, sounds great, Paul. What an honor. Thank you so much. And I, I wish 
everyone not only a very happy year, a healthy year, and started off with some great reflections and, and to really change your life. So I wish you all the best. That was Karu Papritz, author of The Legacy Letters, talking about how to use this new year to create lasting change. If you'd like to learn more about Karu, his books, or how to follow him on social media, just visit us at Live Happy Now and follow the links. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. Mm-hmm.